Any views or opinions expressed on KUR are not necessarily those of Kutztown University, Kutztown University Student Government, Kutztown University Student Services Incorporated, KUR staff and management or other affiliated organizations. This week on KUR True Crime, we're looking into a double murder that shocked California residents and flooded the national media. It is a case that continues to draw discussion and debate over whether the official ruling was fair, as well as whether that ruling can still be overturned today. Welcome to another episode of KUR True Crime. I'm your usual host, James. I'm joined once again by Linda. Hello, hello. Um, welcome. I'm very excited for today. Oh. Very excited. I mean, you should be. I got, I've got. i got my highlighters ready. <laughs> I've got my pen. We got the notebook, the pens. markers. I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. We're going to take a lot of notes. Um, yes. Because I'm going to tell her and you about the case, everything there is to know about it. We're all going to unpack it together. So, are you ready? I'm extremely ready okay. I, was, I was writing true crime here on the board and i forgot how to spell true oh but, you know spelling it backwards is a lot harder you did spell it correctly did i it does okay. look decent it's been erased a couple times all right well <laughs> let's get started we open with jose menendez and his wife mary louise more known by the name kitty that's her nickname the two married in 1964 Jose's family had moved to the U.S. from Cuba during the Fidel Castro uprising. The family was very wealthy, but they lost part of their wealth to the Cuban government, so that's a big reason why they moved to the U.S. Still, Jose grows up very fortunate. He attends Southern Illinois University before moving to California to be an executive for RCA Records. Here, he earns power and a name for himself amongst celebrities. Mm. Kitty was at one point a teacher. Once she and Jose had their two sons, Lyle and Eric, uh, she becomes a stay-at-home mother. After working for years as a record executive, Jose moves the family to L.A. in 1986 to try to break into the film industry. Uh, Both brothers, Lyle and Eric, they seem like destined for greatness you know destined for success okay both boys are star tennis players their father is a big reason for that because he pushes them to be great athletes eric was nationally ranked in his age bracket lyle was headed straight toward a career in business like his father who he openly worshipped and wished to be like one day jose is strict he's very hard driving And he pushes them both, not only in athletics, but in everything. Mm -hmm. Very competitive, according to the boys' past coaches. Uh, And his push for them to reach greatness has a negative effect on them. Both boys are said to lack self-confidence as a result of a father whose standards they could never seem to meet. These boys that are destined for greatness and success, right? 
16 and 19 years old at this point start getting into trouble. Of course. Of course, yeah. Eric, the younger of the two, had made friends with a bad crowd at his Beverly Hills High School. He's committing regular burglary and theft. The older Lyle was suspended from Princeton for plagiarism. Oh. Suspended for a year. From Princeton. From Princeton, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people have um, called them bratty. Now that we have all the lore laid out, um, let's get right to the reason we're actually here, right? August 20th, 1989. (laughs) (laughs) Writing very quickly over there. Police receive a call from Lyle Menendez, who is hysterical over the phone. He reports his parents are dead. Oh? He tells the operator, quote, someone killed my parents, end quote, and that they had been shot. Eric can be heard in the background yelling, crying hysterically. Police arrive. They find Jose and Kitty murdered. Both were shot multiple times. Mm-hmm. Killings are so brutal, police initially believe this to be like a gang hit or a mob hit. How many like how many times were they shot? Just just like one each? No, multiple really? times each. Yeah. Do they know what kind of gun? A shotgun. Okay. So it's yeah. like multiple. So it's like, like the spread type thing. Yeah. Okay. It's okay. Yeah. So they're like, this is a lot. This is definitely like the mob or something. <laughs> so the first suspects are business rivals of Jose and fellow entertainment executives who seem to have competitive relationships with him. Okay. With Jose. Yes. Okay. On the night of the murders, the brothers had gone out to see a movie. They came back late after this movie. They were going to go out again. But the next stop they were going to, they needed their IDs. Eric forgot his ID at home, so they come back to get the ID. That's when they find their parents. When police arrive that night, Eric is laying in the front yard, screaming and crying. Okay. This is all, like, crazy, right? Very. Very sad, like, these young men. They're older than 16 and 19 at this point. Um. You said 1989, I forget. right? Yeah, 1989. Uh, oh, yeah, I believe it was like 19 and 21 or 22, something okay. like that. So that's all cool and whatever. However, <laughs> neither Eric nor his brother Lyle acted like they recently lost their parents to a murder in the following months. Oh, so, I thought they were crying right after, though, right? Like, they were, like... They were. They were, like, like, beside themselves. Right. Jose had $14 million to his worth. He was worth $14 million. Really? Okay. This transferred to his sons, obviously. They spent around $700,000 out of that amount in a very short period of time. What do you even buy? Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Lyle buys himself a Rolex, a Porsche, a new wardrobe, like whole, every, all his clothes replaced him. And, yeah. And a restaurant in Princeton. (laughs) In In Princeton. Princeton. (laughs) 
after he was just suspended. Yes. Why would he want to own a restaurant at the college? You know what? I, I don't know the answer. Eric, okay. Eric, he's more humble with his spendings. You know, he's more controlled. He decides to go with the more humble Jeep Wrangler. He also buys $50,000 tennis lessons. <laughs> Who is teaching $50,000 tennis lessons? Famous coach. I don't know. That's crazy. And he invests $40,000 in a music festival. This music festival never ends up happening. It fails. But he invested 40000 in it. Okay. They took fancy vacations to exotic locations. They plan on collecting the $5 million life insurance policy on their father. Uh, this never happens. It, uh, they're unable to collect it due to technicalities or something like that. Okay. I'm already, I'm already making some assumptions. A little there. suspicious, right? It's, it's very, uh, right. very suspicious. So investigators also discover that Eric had previously written a screenplay with a friend about a character who murders his parents for their inheritance. Uh, well, that's not subtle. <laughs> that's not very subtle, is it? Even more suspicious. <laughs> the Menendez brothers gave odd details of the night of the murders. They claimed to have seen gun smoke in the air when they found their parents. Gun smoke would disappear, like, right after the gun was fired. So if they really found them a period of time after they were murdered, there wouldn't, there wouldn't be, be guns. And that is something. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, get a little confusing here. So Eric had met with a therapist before, Dr. Jerome Oziel, prior to the murders. Oziel reaches out to him again following the murders and... They pick up communication again. They start having appointments again. He also invites Lyle. Lyle starts also having his own therapy sessions with this same therapist. You know what? Proud of them. Look at them go. Getting therapy. It only takes a few sessions. <laughs> Eric confesses to murdering yeah. their parents. Yeah. The sessions continue. Oziel gets both Eric and Lyle separately confessing to the murders. They claimed they had done it to put their mother out of her misery and that they were both involved in the crime. What? So they're saying it was miserable <laughs> being married to so, Jose. Even that just still doesn't make sense, though, because if that was really the reasoning, you'd think they would just kill their father. Even if their father dies, they still get some of the light, like, you know, the, that money. It was all about the money. You know? They didn't care about their mother. Yeah, I guess what they're saying is not only was it miserable for her to be married to him, but also they killed him in front of her. So they were like, well, we were just, you know, who can live with after seeing their I mean, husband be murdered? Fair. Right in front of you. I'm just saying, if their mother was really their prime reason, you know, I think they would have let her live. <laughs> right. They would have been like, hey, <laughs> she mom. She would have been in on it or something. They would have been like, like, mom, can you come out here for a second? Right. And then like. It just feels like they were just trying to cover it up at the end. Like, right. They didn't just kill their father for the money. Right. Just own up to it. That's all I'm saying. 
at some point, Oziel, this therapist, he tells his girlfriend, Judalon Smith, that both brothers had admitted their guilt to him. But there's this, you know, therapist, patient, confidentiality. Uh, HIPAA. Sure. Right. Something like that. So he doesn't tell police because of this confidentiality. Uh, But But he tells his girlfriend because I guess it's been eating at him. I mean, that's fair. But isn't there like an exception for that kind of thing? Well, for when, yeah, like, there is. For when somebody confesses to murder or, like, it's, harming somebody. That's, right. It's like if, you're, if your patient tells you they're going to harm themselves or others. Yeah. Does that not work if it happened in the pre- like past tense? That seems, no, that I'm seems pretty like sure too it does. much of a loophole. I don't know. I don't know. No, 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 no. I, don't, I don't know his reasoning for not telling police, but he doesn't tell police. He just tells his girlfriend. Unluckily for him. Him and his girlfriend have a very rocky relationship. Oh, ironic. The therapist has... Uh, has Ironic. The therapist is toxic. (laughs) Ultimately, this comes to a head. Oziel allegedly attacks his girlfriend, Smith. Oh. And she revolts by going to the police and giving them the tapes with the confessions. Boy, there's layers to this. (laughs) Okay. So... Everyone's going to jail. You know, everyone. (laughs) So Lyle is, like, immediately arrested. Eric is not in the country. He is in Israel. What's he doing in Israel? I'm just hanging out. Just on the run? I don't know. No, he's just hanging out. Yes. He's just hanging out? Yes, yeah. So they know he's there, though. They know he's there, but I don't think, like... They're like, oh, it's a long process to get him or we can't get him or whatever. It doesn't matter. He hears that Lyle's been arrested. He comes back to L.A. and he turns himself in. Oh, look at that. What a a wholesome little little duo these two are. Generous, you know. (laughs) He's helping people out. (laughs) So it takes two years to determine whether the tapes are admissible as evidence in court or if they fall under doctor-patient confidentiality privilege. I That just seems ridiculous. Because it's they just... They confessed to murdering someone. <laughs> <laughs> and you just expect the doc to be like, yeah, okay, it happens, bud. Right. There's <laughs> like a series. This is a whole two-year-long series of arguing oh and debating and going back and forth and having meetings, and the two sides appealing and suing each other. It's like this whole thing. California Supreme Court gets involved. They decide, yes, two of the three tapes are admissible. One of them contains Lyle's confession to the murder. Okay. So they have at least one confession, and it doesn't really matter if they don't have the tape with Eric's confession, because Lyle's confession involves him saying, we both did it. Okay, good. What's the one that was left out? I guess the one with Eric's confession. I don't know. I wonder why. I don't know. Interesting. Now, like we were talking before, it was also confusing. They called the police. They're crying on the phone. They're laying in the front yard crying when the police show up. Like, what's going on? You know, why are they so sad if they murdered them themselves? Yeah. So they're hysterical when police 
arrived to the scene that night, it's so believable. Police don't follow protocol that night of the crime. What do they do? Protocol is, well, you found the bodies. Let's check if you're suspects, right? right? right. They don't do that. Them at least. Um, they didn't even ask them questions? They don't believe they could be suspects because they're so upset over the crime. And also, they're like, well, they're so upset. How are we going to get any information out of them? Whoa. Even if we try. So they never followed up? But like, they're like, I debated, I'm going to be honest, I debated playing the 911 call really? on this episode. I just don't think I can do it. Because it is, like, really upsetting to hear. Oh, okay. Because he sounds so upset and he's sobbing on the phone. He's like, you can barely understand him, what he's saying. But it's just in general. That's how hard he's crying. He and then you can hear the other one screaming in the background, freaking out. So that 911 call and then the police show up and they're like... You know, you can't comprehend what they're even saying because right. they're crying so hard. The police are like, well, yeah. Well, okay. Because they just found their parents dead. Yeah. So in the confession, <clears throat> though, like, was it premeditated? Like, was it planned this whole time that they were killing? We'll get it. Or? We'll get into that. Okay. The whole so thing. Questions. Yeah. The whole thing is really confusing. Okay. <laughs> um, so police don't. They're like, they're not suspects at first. Okay. That's the, absolutely wild, but all right. <laughs> Lyle and Eric had left to get rid of the guns following the murders, and they called the police once they returned to the house. So maybe their, like, extreme reactions, right, are a result of actual shock at seeing what they did. Maybe they did it, and then they left, and they came back, and it sank in, and they were like, oh my god, maybe we just did this. Maybe they're amazing actors, you know? <sighs> Who knows? That's hard to say. I mean, it just doesn't add up. <laughs> it just doesn't add up. <laughs> it doesn't, you know? It doesn't make sense to me. It might not like, even at the end of this. All of their actions, like, right after, like, buying the Rolex and the Porsche and the cars and the lessons, like... Mm -hmm. It was very obvious you had some intentions behind it. Right. Like There are intentions that are expressed during the trial, which either way, okay. police don't follow protocol. They don't test the brother's hands for gunshot residue. What? They don't even formally interview them until two months after the crime. Two months? Yeah. You know, so I'm starting to think the reason 99% of cases are unsolved is because police are just wildly incompetent <laughs> they're, like there's just too many police force that are just like ah we'll and get to it on uh whenever you know maybe thursday we'll <laughs> maybe, get to it maybe you know thursday then thursday comes and they're like oh there's always next month right and it just continues i feel like a lot of i like to think <laughs> that there's a segment in every episode called they're the police uh you know yeah, yeah. because i would say i would say that's it is every episode i'm just like why are the police episode, so stupid you know it's every <laughs> case the police mess something up like what are we doing what are we doing what are we doing what are the police doing <sighs> nothing 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 
Not anyway. solving cases, that's for sure. Or they're doing the wrong thing. They're just not doing anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. All right. So. 80s. Wild time, man. Hey, you know. It's the 80s. What are you going to do? <laughs> so, in the recorded confessions, their reasoning for killing their parents differs from their later official reasoning that they give. Interesting. They, oh, she's writing it on the whiteboard. (laughs) They claim on the tapes that they killed their father because his plan to go into politics would make their mother miserable. Okay. So he starts out at RCA Records. He gets big as an executive, meets a lot of celebrities. Then he's like, okay, I'm going into the film industry. And then he's like, I'm going into politics. And they're like, this is going to ruin our mother's life. (laughs) So they just take it instead. (laughs) Right. So they say they kill him because he's going to be an annoying politician and it's going to ruin their family. But then they say they killed their mother because she wouldn't have been able to cope with their father's death. (sighs) See, that's just contradictory. Like, that just doesn't make sense. Just... Can't live with him, can't live without him. This is that actual saying, can't live with him, can't live without him. (sighs) See, that's where I feel like they're just lying. Like, they didn't do it for her. They're just trying to say that to seem, like, as appeasable as possible Mm -hmm. so they can get some more empathy than they would for just, yeah, we killed him for the money. Right. Which is clearly why they did. And they got rid of their mom because they knew that if they just got rid of the dad... All the money would just go to her. And she's not just going to give them all the money. That's you know? a good point. Just say. They did it for the money. I stand by my. Okay, we'll see where you stand at the end of this. but um, There's more twists? Oh, there's, Gosh. yeah. We haven't even gotten into the trial yet. Oh, okay, so whether <laughs> whether this reasoning is true or not, it establishes to police that the murders are premeditated. So now we get to the trial. It begins in 1993. By this point, time passed for the media to hype up the case. Everyone has heard of it. Everyone knows the Menendez brothers. No one can escape news about this story. So the entire thing is broadcast on the brand new TV channel, Court TV. Court TV. This is the media's method of turning court cases into entertainment. (laughs) Even when the trial isn't in progress, right? They're not actually sitting in court talking. The channel is covering everything and anything Anything remotely related to the case. Okay. So they're doing like reporters. They're having discussions, whatever. They're like, okay, it's 10 a.m. Time to go to the trial. And they go to the trial for the whole day. Trial ends. They're like, okay, it's 5 p.m. Well, let's keep talking about it, I guess, <laughs> for the rest of the day. We've got so much to cover. The public is obsessed, right? This I mean, yeah. There's this new TV channel. Well, what they They've covered cases before this, but nothing like to this amplitude. Yeah. And so it's like this soap opera There's this wealthy family (laughs) that was torn apart by these, by the young sons who, by the way, are very handsome (laughs) and charming. Oh, boy. 
And they're very, they're very mysterious, may I add. (laughs) So this is like, people are obsessed, you know? Yeah. They tragically killed their parents. (laughs) They tragically killed their parents. And why did they do that? I don't know. And they say it was all for their mother. (laughs) 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 The Menendez brothers cannot claim innocence at this point they've admitted to doing it on tape so supposed truth comes out they accuse their father jose of years of abuse there are already previous witnesses to jose's toughness in regards to his son's success in athletics and all other aspects of life lyle and eric claim in court on the stand that the abuse went further, stretching into emotional, physical, and sexual abuse for their entire lives. Oh. They detail being punched and whipped with belts. They go on to tell the jury a story of how the family's charmed exterior hit a a darker reality of sexual abuse from the time they were young. The brothers called the shooting a form of, quote, imperfect self-defense. So you weren't kidding. I'm, you know, it's getting twisty. Keeps moving, you know. <laughs> so as teenagers, they would allegedly be forced to sleep with their mother. They claimed she would force incestuous relations while Jose was gone. Um, oh man. Okay. My my view is a changing. Yeah. <laughs> so oh some family members claim Lyle made this story up in jail. In between the time when they were arrested and when the trial started. Okay. Uh, That's a pretty complicated story to just make up. I don't know. Other family members take the stand and they confirm that the brothers had disclosed this abuse to them years prior. Years after the trial, a cousin told ABC that Lyle had told her the same graphic details as a child that he had revealed in court. This cousin had supposedly told Kitty what happened. Kitty refused to believe her. Huh. Okay. All right. Wow. You know, (laughs) I'm starting to lean towards their side of it here. Right. (laughs) Dang. Yeah. Okay. So the defense is led by lawyer Leslie Abramson. She becomes a celebrity during this trial and afterwards, which we'll talk about later. But she calls Kitty a husk of a woman, an alcoholic, a drug addict, a broken wife, and a useless mother harshly affected by Jose's countless affairs. Well, she really went easy on her, I guess. You, you know? So she's, <laughs> wow. she's saying, yes, Jose abused them, but Kitty was also involved in this yeah. maltreatment. Why not say that that was the reason originally when they like were talking to... The Dr. Jerome guy? Well, I think a a point that we have to discuss at some point later is that it was like, you know, it's the 80s, early 90s. Sexual abuse doesn't happen to boys and men. Right. Right. So, I, yeah, I want to discuss that a little bit later. But, so something else we'll talk about is TikTok. For right now, I found a TikTok 
Um, I found various TikToks, but this is one of them. <laughs> um, so this is a from a TikTok, and that's why there's music in the background of it. But this is the lawyer, Leslie Abramson, talking about their, like, tough childhood being raised by awful parents, basically. Was Mr. Kuriyama on a tennis court at 5 o'clock in the morning when he was 10 years old, drilled and grilled for three hours, and then went to school, and then taken around for more tennis courts for more hours of drilling and grilling, and then went back home to have dinner, which was like jeopardy, and more drilling and grilling, and then had to satisfy his father's perversion, and then had to do his homework till 10 o'clock at night? And he wants to talk about this kid not working? This kid worked every day of his life to please these people. Every single day of his life. And he has the nerve to sit there, he should get off his butt and work. Okay. So that's that. Um, so basically she's talking about they went to tennis lessons, which we already talked about. Jose mm-hmm. would like push for them to be great tennis stars. Um, and then they'd come home and they'd eat dinner, which is like jeopardy that's what she says because jose would also like quiz them basically at dinner oh. he'd force them to have intellectual conversations and Got it. if right. they couldn't like keep up intellectually there was you know punishment wow so, back here okay yeah oh boy lyle and eric both take the stand tearfully explain their story of abuse the prosecution argues that the murders were a result of greed and were only done for the money and that all of this is an act. A friend of the Menendez brothers was brought in to claim that Lyle had deleted their father's latest version of his will in which he left his sons less money. Four months pass, a whole trial for four months. Juries are unable to come to a decision. The trial has failed. Another trial is announced. So the second trial begins. Oh, my. In 1995, the judge bans filming. Okay. Because Court TV is in there with their 20 cameras, and it's becoming like a movie. It's not a serious trial. This time, the brothers are tried together instead of separately. Seemingly, this turns the jury against them. Judalon Smith the now ex-girlfriend of their therapist, takes the stand in this trial, but this time she changes her original statement. She claims that the brothers were manipulated into confessing to their therapist. Oh. By who? By the therapist. Really? Her ex-boyfriend. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot. This it's is so confusing. a big web of... There's just so much here. Jury is unswayed by these brothers' emotional testimony. They convict both of them of first-degree murder because it was premeditated. Both of them are sentenced to life in prison. Lyle was 21. Eric was 18. This was in 1996 when they were convicted. Both are still alive. They're both in prison. At 53 years old, Lyle expressed regret, saying, quote, If I could take my consciousness now and go back, I would have gone to the police and taken my chances in exposing what was happening, end quote. Eric agrees. He said, quote, 
the way I reacted was so destructive, I killed the two people I loved the most, end quote. Wow, okay. Interesting. All right, but why, like, if that was the reason why they did it, why not go from that with the beginning, from the beginning? Well, like that, that quote I just read, he was saying, like, oh, I could have taken my chances going to the police because there's no... Yeah. confirming that the police would believe him right and also jose has all this power he's this big record executive he's big in the film industry yeah true and um, you know the police clearly incompetent <laughs> in more ways than one you know so that's not surprising yeah so oh, man still like the they're regretful they feel guilty, but they've maintained this story that the murders were caused by years of abuse. And Which that it, I believe. Right. I believe it. And that it all led up to one final fight on that night. Lyle was reportedly angry when he found out Eric had also been abused, explaining that he had some sort of, quote, devil's pact that he upheld and his father didn't. So he, it sounds like he um, was like, oh, I'm being ab- abused. You can abuse me as long as you don't hurt Eric. Right. And his dad was like, for sure. For sure. Yeah, totally. And then, and then he right did right it. And did it. Right. Yeah, that would, I could see that mm. causing. He says he was also frustrated with his mother for allowing the abuse to continue right in front of her. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I like, hard to blame them, really, when it's right. put on like that, but why not? I mean, I agree that it was, you know, I see the, I see the motivation. Mm-hmm. Obviously, don't necessarily agree with the, the action that no, they took. No, of course not. They, um, they had some other options. Plus, right. you know, I don't think... Maybe it wasn't the smartest decision for them to go and blow the money immediately after. Like, you know, that kind of doesn't look too, uh, too great for you. Yeah. Hey, they only spent 700000 out of the, the 14, $14 million. million. That is very true. And I'm not so. good at math, but I'm sure that's like <laughs> low percentage. <laughs> that's like less than a 14th of it. Is it really? I don't know. Right? Wouldn't a million be a 14th? I don't know if my math is right, but I got, I got 20. So Cool. Great. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> so. The, I don't know what that means exactly. <laughs> um, cool. Great. Thank you for that. Quick math. Um, okay. The Menendez Trials... They were one of the first murder trials on court TV. They were definitely the biggest to be aired at this point. The Mm -hmm. popularity of this trial was later credited with the network's decision to cover the O.J. Simpson trial so heavily the very next year. During their time in prison, both Lyle and Eric have gotten married. Eric. Interesting. Yep. Eric married a pen pal, Tammy Sackman. Well, that's... In 1999. Lyle has been married twice, beginning with Anna Erickson, a former model. She divorced him when she found out he was writing to his soon-to-be second wife, Rebecca (laughs) Sneed. (laughs) Sneed. He married her in 2003. Yeah, all right. 
Um, Sounds they, like, you know. You know, they're... And they found pen pals. I also, another thing, is they have gone to prison and they've, like, supposedly become great members of the community and okay. are in charge of, like, support groups for abuse in among inmates and... According to one article I read, we're helping lead the painting of a mural in the prison to liven up you know, what, the area. You know, you know, I don't agree with their actions, but I gotta say, I'm rooting for them. You know? <laughs> in a weird way. Um, I'm rooting for them, because it sounds like they're really turning things around. Yeah. Which should be the point of prison, it, right? Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to be what it is. Yeah, not always, but no, in this but, case, I guess. You know, capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> um, they are initially held in different prisons. Lyle requested to be transferred to Mule Creek State Prison, the same facility as Eric. The request oh, was approved, as well as his 2018 request to be housed with Eric, and they were moved into the same unit. So they're in prison together as See, of that's, now. That's just wholesome. That's like that's the end of a Hallmark movie. I nice so weird, weird Hallmark movie. But Look, sure, it might not be for everybody. But yeah. Hallmark movies never are. Never. Right. <laughs> sure, <laughs> yeah. You never know what to expect from a Hallmark movie. You certainly don't. <laughs> so we have not reached the end yet. What? This is not oh the end of the story. Oh my gosh! There's more. Have you heard of the Menendez brothers before? No, actually. Well, I most people so. have. Well, um, I'm out of the loop on most things. You're out of the loop. That's okay, because I brought you into the loop. That is true. So, most people have heard of the Menendez brothers. Obviously, those who were, you know, alive at the time of the trial. Right, it was right, a big media sensation. Popular. But now there's recent attention surrounding the case. Just recently, a Hulu docuseries was released about the case. And a documentary on the murders aired on Investigation Discovery just in August. And the documentary is called Menendez Brothers Misjudged. Um, one summary reads, quote, In 1993, a shocking celebrity murder trial featured the unlikeliest killers, the Menendez Brothers. Whether a cold-blooded murder for money or the result of chronic abuse, this case is still debated 30 years later in a most unexpected place tiktok end quote just like the summary implies <laughs> most attention recently has come from social media especially as as it looks to me from tiktok and twitter yeah so first i went searching twitter for any support of the menendez brothers i found a couple accounts there are a couple of them one is named justice for menendez brothers another is called free the menendez brothers both are dedicated to posting content aimed at showing faults in the trial and conviction, as well as videos that support the defense's claim of abuse by the Menendez father. There are news clips, video from the trial, including parts of the brothers' testimonies, and video edits created by fans of the brothers. Which is... Oh my. It's one of the like, most you had interesting. Till, till the video edits, that's that's yeah, the funniest. That's part one of, of the most interesting parts of the internet to me yeah. is the video edits of uh, killers. Yeah, people will idolize pretty much anything you put in front of them. No, if they can make it, if they, if they can make it into something entertaining, they will idolize it. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. What's crazier, though, is if they're really turning it like everything around, I feel like the case does need to be relooked at. I mean. Right. They deserve a little bit of, like, more investigation into the case, I think. Yeah. A lot of people on social media seem to agree. Yeah. So. But, I mean, similar pages exist on Reddit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love Reddit. <laughs> users discuss the case, the trial, and the fairness of the conviction. They also share posts about the brothers' current lives and the ongoing push on social media for investigators to revisit the case and consider releasing the brothers. There's also Reddit pages, of course, against I this guess, movement yeah. for the Menendez brothers, which is just full of a lot of people being like, this is stupid. Children like to idolize murderers. Which is true. True. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the support has stretched to Facebook. Uh, there are pages like the Menendez brothers and survivors group. This is made up of almost 2,000 members currently. This page gives a place for survivors of abuse to connect, as well as a platform of support for the Menendez brothers. Many members feel a connection to them because of their similar experiences. It's just so interesting watching, like, hearing about people making edits and stuff. Because I feel like they only, they only get that way because of, like, all the, like, different companies that make movies and TV shows and about all these murderers. And then it makes them, like, feel less real and it characterizes them. And then I'm, yes. they get to treat them like movie stars, like, with everything else that they watch and absorb in media. Yeah. Which is what I was hoping to move into was, is this whole discussion about, like... Documentaries and things that are coming yeah, out? Yeah, social media's new hobby, I guess, yes. of romanticizing killers. Yeah. Which I have talked to people about before, um, because I hate... Uh, I, <laughs> like, I want to watch these new shows and movies about these infamous crimes yeah you know but there's like that netflix series that came out two or three years ago about ted bundy mm -hmm. where zach efron played him yeah there's the new jeffrey dahmer show where evan peters plays him and i think it's just a mistake that a lot of these shows and movies make where they cast these actors who are viewed very widely as yeah. stereotypically attractive and i feel like you have to know right like you're like oh let's get zach efron right what's your goal there is to make ted bundy appear more charming and attractive yeah and you know children and teenagers on tiktok are just going to romanticize that and right size it yeah of really creating a very disturbing culture right and i think that's part of the tiktok things that i've seen about the menendez brothers also you know the true crime side of tiktok discovered the menendez case in 2021 they decided together that like this ruling is not right yeah and that they should push for their release the it's crazy too because i feel like a lot of the information that's spread on tiktok is like it's always like one person first starts with like researching the case and then they present yes. it to other people on tiktok and then everyone shares that one video and suddenly that's where everyone's info has come from and nobody 
takes any time to like research outside of that because like they heard it on TikTok. This person seems mm. like they know what they're talking about. I'm gonna believe it. I'm gonna spread it and I'm gonna share it. Right. And now I have the same belief they do. Right. And it's just like a hive mindset that like forms all from one video, which might yeah. not even be true. Yeah, there are TikToks of people explaining facts of the Menendez case of people explaining like good reasons why the case should be revisited but then there's also tiktoks of people being like oh they're hot right and there's always gonna be that it's just like it's tiring (laughs) because like it's so widespread now like it makes sense in some instances to like like ted bundy was known for like being very charming or being right appealing to women and that's how he got away with so many things but i feel like they went about the execution all wrong like mm-hmm. you shouldn't have gotten a conventionally attractive actor to play that person you should have just treated that whoever acted in it they they could have just done it so much better yeah i could go on for days. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it's just weird um it's very, it's very so I have a quote here from Jason Sarlanis. He is the president of crime and investigative content, linear and streaming at Discovery. He stated, quote, The TikTok fascination with the Menendez brothers is not only a fascinating example of how certain cases never really leave our public consciousness, but also an interesting look at the way different generations grapple with conversations around abuse, masculinity, and violence, end quote. So, like I mentioned earlier, there's like, well, why didn't they go to the police about the abuse before murdering their parents? Well, there's that question of... The whole stigma. Would the 1980s, 1990s police believe that you, a man, have been abused? Right. Sexually? And then by their parents as well. Like, it's just... Um, There was too much stigma around it. And I have another video. Again, it's a TikTok, so that's why there's... Like we're keeping on theme here. Dramatic music in the background. <laughs> but this is again their lawyer. Would you feel any differently about what happened to my client if my client's name was Erica Menendez? Would it make any difference to you if he was a girl who was sadistically sexually molested by her father? Because if it would, it shouldn't. Because men are human, and boys are human, and men and women suffer, and boys and girls suffer, and it is no different. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what that video is, um, there were a lot of comments on that TikTok, first of all, of people being... Agreeing, I hope. Yeah, of people (laughs) being like, first of all, she's so cool. Right, yeah. (laughs) Second of all... (laughs) Already I idolize her. Yeah, second of all, being like, she's so right. Even if the the this whole thing was amazing acting by the Menendez brothers and it was all a made up story to try and get people to feel pity for them, you know, it's the story was ignored. Yeah. So And despite being like validated by family members, like multiple people confirming it to be true, it was still just overshadowed. Right. And ignored. Actually, at the second trial, they were not allowed to use evidence of abuse. What? Really? Or not all of it. In 2016, a California law actually went into effect that 
uh, could possibly use, be used to the Menendez brothers' benefit if they were to try to appeal their case again, which they've used their limit of appeals unsuccessfully. Mm. But if they were to try to appeal again somehow... The law allows those convicted of a crime to appeal their case if they were forbidden from using evidence of abuse, which they were. They were denied their use of sexual abuse allegations. So they would be able to utilize this law if they could wiggle their way around to getting another appeal. No new appeals have been made as of now. Many are expecting lawyers to file a writ of habeas corpus in 2023 which means they're gonna basically request a retrial by arguing that the imprisonment was unfair or unlawful you must have new evidence since the first trial in order to do this they do supposedly they have one piece at least of new evidence which is a letter eric wrote in 1988 before the murders where he talked about being abused by his father okay that's cool. so Good. I'm like, I'm excited. I'm like, right. oh my gosh, they have a chance. <laughs> um, yes. To, wow. Don't want you to get your hopes too high, though, because no. many experts aren't very hopeful about changes being made to the sentence or the conviction. They don't believe there's enough new evidence or any circumstances like health or old age to earn the brothers a parole hearing or another appeal. And they argue that the high-profile nature of the case makes it more difficult to get a change. So. There's some extenuating circumstances in this case. Like, I don't, like, think... Like, if I was a detective, I I wouldn't think that they're going to go back out and kill again. Because it was very... Right. And one, one expert did say that in an interview. He was like... The streets of California are not safer because the Menendez brothers are in prison. Right. Like, they're not going to go killing any random people. Like, they clearly had a very clear motive. And the fact that it was just ignored in the first or the second trial and, like, not even allowed to bring up. Who's to say, like, even if they did that, a 1980s, 1990s court would have even believed them then either. Um, So, I just feel like it it does deserve another look back in this. I think it does. I don't want to be swayed by the TikToks that right. I've seen. But I mean, so you I'm, have read all of the info of the case. You've like researched it very thoroughly. So like, right. what is your My thing is, on I don't want to be swayed by the TikToks, but if I'm being completely fair, some of the TikToks make valid points. <laughs> <laughs> because at least one thing I saw was someone talking about how if they are acting... If they are making all of this up, they are great actors. Right. Because the amount of emotion that they showed was, like, unmatched in the court when they were up on the stand telling their story of abuse, crying on the stand. Even, like, right after the murder. When they were sitting, there was a part of the trial where, yeah, Mm -hmm. Lyle was the older one. So I I think it was, I said earlier, Lyle heard that Eric was also being abused and that was like the last straw. And so there's a part of the trial where Eric is up there on the stand, the younger one, and he's talking about how he feels guilt. He came back from Israel to turn himself in because he heard Lyle had been arrested and he felt responsible for Lyle being in prison because... 
the whole murder was caused by him telling Lyle that he was being abused. So he feels if I didn't tell Lyle that I was being abused, maybe this wouldn't have ever happened. Right, which is just... And he's up there crying, and then the cameras show Lyle visibly upset. So I just feel like, you know... I feel like they tell the truth. It's a lot of... It's just a lot of emotion to have to act. Yeah. You know? I agree. And not easy to act either. And I... Yeah, I just don't know. Like, I get why, I guess, they wouldn't... I get their explanation for why they wouldn't go to the police. Yeah. I don't... I don't get it, but, you know, I get it. Right. Like, in that time, it wasn't... Right. It it doesn't seem as easy as an option as it does now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I feel like, the hardest part to look at. It's like, it was a whole different time. I'm not trying... I don't know whether I'm trying or not not trying to side with the Menendez brothers. You sympathize with them. Like, you can recognize that what they did is morally wrong. Yes, like, they murdered people to take lives. I can recognize that if they are telling the truth and they were abused, why they right? Why they this had happened. some justification, whether or not that justification is like enough. Enough. I mean, it's hard because, like, you think about it and like putting yourself in that situation. Right. What would you do? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, I so. do think they're they're um. Their choices after the murder could have been a little better. Yeah. I feel like, but I don't think that, like, as much as I was saying earlier how it's, oh, it's so clearly it was money-driven, hearing everything now, it's like, okay, maybe they just kind of got excited after they died, and they're like, well, we're not going to jail as of right now, and our problem just went away, so we have money now. We have money. And they just kind of got excited about the fact that they had all that money. And like you said, they didn't even spend that much. (laughs) Well, it was a lot. It was a lot. It was like 20%. But but it was still. Right. It was a lot. They're they're young, too, is all I'm saying. It's like. Right. They're stupid. Making young they're stupid. stupid. They're making young stupid decisions after. They're like 18 and 21 years old. Right. Like. Um, So that's it. That's. That's the case. Not the end of their story because they're not, still in prison right. and there's still people fighting for their release. But um, uh, you want to see my notes too for this episode? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. Okay, let's see. Justice. Justice. Um, is <laughs> Written the first in very big letter. Second trial, 1995. Sure. This was, this was the second page of notes. There are. I started over here. There are a lot of lines drawn between words. There's some arrows. There's some lines. There's some stars. I see some highlighting. <laughs> no, it's really all put together. <laughs> I really tried my best. There's some dates in there and then some doodling. But you know. KUR True Crime is a student-produced show that researches multiple sources and is a production of Kutztown University Radio. Any theories presented are only theories and have not been proven as 100% factual. You can follow KUR True Crime on both Facebook and Instagram, and you can find all of our previous episodes on Spotify by searching Kutztown University Radio. You can also follow Kutztown University Radio on Facebook, 
Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Join us next time for another installment of KUR True Crime.